Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. No duh, right? Here we discuss everything from car news, culture, movies, stories, games, interviews, events, and so much more. Without further delay, on with the show. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to this new car podcast. Today, we're diving into yet another car that I've been meaning to get into for a little while. And, however, this one is extremely interesting, even if it is not powered by an internal combustion engine. I am, of course, talking about the Rimac Nevada as it redefines speed according to road and track. So let's get on to this article. Now, I do have to say, I love the way that it looks. And if I remember correctly, it's not just a, it's not just a straight line speed kick. It can't actually handle. So I kind of like what the car stands for as well. All right, let's read the article though. A decent benchmark for incredibly fast car is an Aston Martin Vantage. I mean, is that incredibly fast? I think it's just fast. But whatever, whatever. It comes with 503 horsepower, cracks 0 to 60 miles per hour in 3.6 seconds, rushes the underside of 200 miles per hour, is fun to drive, and tickles the senses in all the right ways. It is also, thanks to the Rimac Nevera, a slow-moving relic. <laughs> a thing that, when we look back from the future, we'll consider hot-ish. Rimac has moved the performance game on so far and so convincingly that it renders any argument against electric cars moot. The Rimac, and that's pronounced, sorry. Oh, it's Rimats, because it's Croatian rather than Rimac, whatever. Nevera, formerly known as the C2, is on paper a big deal. It comes with a 121 kilowatt, no, 120 kilowatt hour battery and four electric motors that fire 19, no, 1,914 horsepower. I don't know why I can't read today. 1,914 horsepower and 1,696 pound-feet of torque to all four wheels. The numbers translate to a 340-mile range, 0 to 62 miles per hour in 1.97 seconds, and 0 to 100 in 4.3 seconds, 0 to 186 in 11.6, on up to 250 miles per hour. That is hypercar fast. That is original Bugatti Veyron fast. But obviously, it out-accelerates that by a country mile. It'll cover the quarter mile in under nine seconds. Thanks to Rimac's chain, no, charging architecture, you can recharge it from 20 to 80% range in just 18 minutes with a 350 kilowatt fast charger. Impressive stuff written down, but will it do it? Rimac kindly provided a runway and a fully charged Nevera to put its money where its mouth is. To launch the car, you need to have it in drive, nail the brake, lean on the gas, wait for the instrument panel to indicate launch mode, and lift off the stop pedal. Then, you warp from one part of the world to another. The acceleration is savage and unrelenting. As there are no gears to shift, you're not given a break for a millisecond. The Speedo adds numbers so quickly, it can't keep pace with itself. But you don't look down because you're struggling to breathe. Where torquey turbo cars push you back in your seat, the Nevera forces the air from your lungs. While you try and catch your breath, your vision narrows as you aim for the distance. Your hands have pleasantly little to do thanks to the car's incredible stability. It feels, it feels solid as they come. Nine seconds after, after lifting off the brakes, you're back on them, stopping straight and true with nary a hint of drama, on a dry day at least. While taking a moment to reinflate your chest, involuntary and incredulous swearing happens. Everything else from that point, of, from that point on is slow. When it comes to outright performance at least, the internal combustion engine's card is irrevocably marked. And then you turn around and do it again, because... Why not? The car can do it anyway. And EV proving it's quick isn't new, but the step up in performance between quite fast and so fast it makes 
breathing difficult is quite something. Much faster, much faster could well feel rather unpleasant. As a thing to look at, the Nevera eschews big, shiny, and chintzy. Company founder Mate Rimac, or Rimots, says he wanted to build a timeless car, one that reflected where it came from. The key design point, the necktie graphic that runs along its flanks, is a nod to Croatian heritage. Three lights in the knot show what mode the car is in. These can also be customized to the owner's preference. The interior is a, is a feat in carbon fiber and leather. Six screens handle the vast majority of the car's functions. A central touchscreen does most of the heavy lifting for, for seat adjustment, a, uh, AC, infotainment, and car setup. Others act as displays that change depending on settings. There's a pleasant... There's a pleasant tactility, hopefully I got that right, in the cabin as well. Flip switches under the main screen jump the display to specific functions and work the windows, for example, and the steering wheel comes with the usual mass of buttons required for the day-to-day. -day. Rimac wanted some proper tactility in there and placed click wheels around each of its circular, around each of its small circular display screens. Shifting to drive or between drive modes, to, drive modes depending on switch, is a chunky, angry joy. This is a car that has given itself over to technology and unashamedly so. The steering is done by wire, as are the brakes, bar and emergency connection. It steers sweetly, perhaps lacking a touch of the feel you'd get in a more traditional setup, but that's not anything to complain about. It changes depending on your driving mode, making things easier or more engaging. The brakes are fascinating. The Navera can use brake regeneration to recoup some power to recoup some power on the move or employ its 15-inch six-pot or six-piston carbon ceramic Brembo's depending on the situation. Because the brakes are not connected to the pedal, feel has been programmed in by Rimac. It can be adjusted depending on your driving mode. The car we drove was 95% finished, meaning, that's, meaning, meaning the setup was still to be determined, but it provided good feedback, though it was a little soft in the middle. When you're properly stepping on them, though, you can feel the car's 4,740-pound curb weight come into play. On a runway, that doesn't matter, but it can feel a little alarming when coming to a brisk stop in traffic. Weight is still in Evie's Achilles heel. Rimac's huge battery is a big old lump, although it's hidden low in the car. Hidden low in the car, under the cabin, and behind the driver. Every effort was made to keep the weight down, and the liberal use of carbon fiber everywhere is evidence of that but the Nevera's carbon monocoque deserves special mention. The tub, roof, battery pack, and everything else is a single piece of carbon fiber composed of 2,200 carbon sheets and 222 aluminum inserts. It's not only incredibly stiff, but just weighs 441 pounds. In the real world, where there are bends, speed limits, other traffic, and seemingly infinite people taking, taking pictures of the whirring cars that passes by, you might expect the Nevera to be soulless. Having nailed hypercar speed, has it managed to be an exciting car for the road? Yes, thankfully. While you don't hear the gentle thrum of liquefied pterodactyls exploding, the car's motors and inverters give off a pleasing EV hum that gets louder as you press on. In the pre-production car, there were a few noises and creaks that, creaks that Rimac plans to fix, but it was largely a quiet, smooth experience. Overtaking, once you got over the fact you're driving a wide $2 million hypercar, or 2 million euro hypercar, representing a dozen, no, representing a decent fraction of Croatia's all-time automotive production, is not as easy as you think. See, if you pin the throttle, you simply vanish into the distance. You need to recalibrate how you drive. Increase the flow of electrons by 10%, and you'll whoosh by. 20%, and you'll, peak, and you'll pick up a decent clip. 
30 gets you full bore supercar pace. Anything more than that, and you're either talented, brave, or hugely optimistic that nothing's coming around the next bend three miles away. Rethinking how you use the fast pedal for it is neither noisy nor gassy means you can one pedal drive to an extent provisioning you work with the brake regen. That kind of thing isn't out of place in a BMW i3, but here it feels a little strange. Give it some beans on a twisty road and the Navera is just as enjoyable as anything coming out of Germany, Italy, or France. The steering flows wonderfully from corner to corner. The power appears in a linear fashion as you go. You can hurl the car around bends with ease and quick as you dare. On the public highway, you're nowhere near reaching its limits. You'd have to work pretty hard on track as well, judging by a brief play. Thanks to all-wheel torque vectoring, each wheel measures what's going on and adjusts torque delivery on the fly to keep you going in the right direction. Physics in the right direction, physics allowing. Even at speed, it feels safe, secure, and exciting. It'll corner as flat as you like, the body moving only if you accelerate or brake heavily. Rimac's acutely aware that some customers will want to take the Navarras around a circuit, and that they may not want company coming along with them. Therefore, an AI driver coach is available to pop, to pop an overlay of the track on the car's infotainment screen and talk you round. Some tracks come preloaded, but Rimac says that if your favorite course is not there, you, ne you need only drive a couple laps and the car will know what to do. What a, race, what a race car driver would make of all this remains to be seen. There are a few drive modes to choose from. Comfort will keep things smooth. Sport sharpens throttle springs, brakes, and steering. Drift sends more power to the rear to help kick its butt out. Range isn't hard to guess. Track sets everything to angry and lets you play. And two customizable modes let you change the car to your will. Want to have a front-wheel bias heavy steering hard spring car? Feel free, weirdo. Seeing as the Navera is largely software-based, it makes sense that there's so much choice. The change between each mode is quick and noticeable no matter where you're at. It'll shift, and just how urgently is up to you. The only thing missing is an exhaust valve opening. The car's active arrow works with the modes as well. Underfloor trickery, trickery aids airflow and downforce. While the active wing is a thing of many tricks, it can be set up to offer huge downforce to nestle into the body of the car for high-speed runs by giving it a 0.28 drag coefficient. By comparison, a Gen 5 Viper with its fixed arrow has a drag coefficient of 0.365, which is quite a big difference, or anything in between. It'll also do the classic hypercar trick of acting as an air brake. While you'd expect to see an engine in the rearview mirror, you instead get a limited view of the 100-liter luggage space and a sliver of sky. For parking, Rimac isn't relying on its customers' proficiency in using uh, the Force. There are, there are cameras on each side of the car to help guide you, just the, kind of, just the kind of stuff you'd hope a hypercar would have. The Navera can be as easy to drive as your daily beater, or as hardcore as anyone would wish. Though Rimac says it's more Grand Tour than Track Monster, there aren't many Track Monsters that can match its price, or that can match its pace, though. Speed, quick recharge, and ease of use are all huge, boss, huge boxes ticked. And the Navara, and the yeah, the Navara, no, they spelled it wrong. The Navara certainly comes with drama. Not the kind that an internal combustion hypercar offers, but something different. New noises, different sensations, and greater urgency are all there for you to enjoy. Pretty much everything about this car was made in-house by Rimac, freed of stringent budgets. Seeing as Rimac's main business is developing EV solutions for OEMs all over the world, this car is a rolling demonstra demonstration of what can be done when the leash comes off. Electric cars are coming, and the Rimac Navera is proof that we needn't be worried. That we needn't be worried about them. In fact, we should be looking forward greedily to what comes next. A lucky 150 people will get, will get the keys to one of these starting later this year, and they'll be in something truly special the most advanced, 
most powerful, quickest car out there. Speed has a new name, and it is Nevada. Or Nevera. I was watching a video where, where Mate Rimac pronounces it, and he says it with a bit of an accent. And so much like Super Legera, I normally say that with a bit of an accent. I'll probably say Navarra with a bit of an accent. Well, I say accent. Pseudo accent, but I'd have to re-listen to the uh re-listen to the pronunciation. That's not the only thing though. We have one more news article before I talk about the looks. And it is just how stupid fast this thing is, just to put it into perspective. And this article comes from Car Scoops. Ferrari's current range topper, the SF90 Stradale, is a ridiculously fast machine. And yet it simply can't compete with the Rimac Navara that was or Navara, because it's not because it's not A-R-A, it's E-R-A. In any case, I digress. That was officially unveiled a few hours ago, at the time of the article. Carwell was invited to an airfield in Croatia in order to try out the Navara, the Navara, sorry. To make the drag race entertaining, they brought an SF90, making 986 horsepower or 735 kilowatts or 1,000 PS, thanks to a 4-liter twin-turbo V8 engine and a trio of electric motors. Ferrari claims the SF90 can go from 0 to 62 miles per hour, 0 to 100 kilometers per hour, in just 2.5 seconds. Independent tests, though, have clocked the, hy the hybrid supercar managing a mind-boggling 0 to 60 mile per hour or 0 to 96 kilometer per hour time of just 2.1 seconds on the street. That's Dodge Demon fast. In that same test, it managed a quarter mile time of 9.62 seconds, and that's validated here. In the Ferrari's best race in this video, it managed to run through the quarter mile in just 9.60 seconds, according to CarWow. A very impressive time, to be sure and not far off from the fastest production car down the quarter mile, the Bugatti Chiron Sport, which currently ran the sprint, sorry, which apparently ran the sprint in just 9.4 seconds in 2018. The Navarra's fastest time of the day, meanwhile, was a stunning 8.62 seconds, the fastest, the fastest team at Rimac had ever seen it go. We thought we will achieve that on a prep surface, Mate Rimac told CarWow's Matt Watson. We've achieved like 8.7 so far, so with, so with you now, we've actually got the best time so far. The Navara has 1,914 horsepower and 1,740, that's actually more than what Rodentrek quoted, uh, pound-feet of torque, or 2,360 newton meters of torque, thanks to its four electric motors, one for each wheel. That's good enough to get the car to 60 miles per hour or 96.5 kph. Why, are they, why do they keep changing it? Oh, wait, no, that's just specific. In 1.85 seconds! to 100 miles per hour or 161 kilometers per hour in 4.3 seconds. And to put that into perspective, that's faster than a 2012 Jeep Grand Cherokee SRT8 can do the zero to, can do the zero to 60 sprint. Only by about 0.3 seconds, but still. And onto 186 miles per hour or 300 kilometers per hour in just 9.3 seconds. Energy is supplied by a 120 20 kilowatt hour. Oh wait, we talked about all of that. But what we haven't talked about is the w WLTP cycle, because the battery in this car can offer a range of 340 miles or 547 kilometers on a single charge on the WLTP cycle. So that might vary from cycle to cycle. The Navara is so fast, in fact, that in the rolling race, Watson didn't even need a countdown. He just tells the Ferrari driver to pin it whenever he feels like it, and the Navara still catches it, passes it, and simply waits at the finish line. I imagine that's what it's like to be shot out of the barrel of a gun, says Watson. It's just insane. And I think I watched that video a while ago, and it's, it really is insane. Watson allows the SF90 to get a pretty big gap, and then Avera catches the SF90 effortlessly. Un 
hurriedly, not even worried, my guy. It's a truly, the, the Navera is an absolutely bonkers car. You know how when the Bugatti Veyron came out in the 2000s, that kind of set the standard for speed? That's what the Navera has done. This is the, the modern Bugatti Veyron. Y'all, if you, if you thought the Veyron revolutionized hypercars, and it did, this is the new revolution. You're seeing it now. And what I, another thing that I love about it, even though it's heavy, is that it's not, from what I can see, it's not actually all that big. It's not massive. It's kind of big sports car sized, apparently. It's not that much bigger than an SF90. And if, you're, and, if you, and if you pay attention, if you look closely, the SF90 appears to be roughly the same size as a 458 or an F8 or a 488s. Because it seems to be based on that same kind of architecture, on that same, on that same body. The LaFerrari is bigger than the SF90. The SF90 is brilliant, but one of my biggest gripes with it is that it never, it doesn't have those hypercar proportions to me. It has supercar proportions. 488 territory, once again. But I like this for not having the massive LaFerrari P1918 style hypercar proportions because it makes it more usable. It makes it, it's, it follows in the footsteps of the T50, of the Gordon Murray T50, where it's smaller, it's lighter, it's more compact, it's a bit more of a driver's car, even if, even if the LaFerrari and the P1 are more theatrical in their presence. Having said that, though, the Nevera is, the, the Nevera is gorgeous. I like it a lot. The face, I don't like it as much as a few other cars, I, I won't lie, but it's a very organic design. It's not, with a lot of electric cars, they'll be overwhelmingly futuristic, like hopelessly futuristic. They're, they just kind of become pods and gimmicky, whereas, thankfully, Matt Rimac seems to have known better and decided, no, let's make it more traditional, make it more a car of its time. Still modern, still a bit futuristic, but... Just not so wacky, not so ahead of its time in a bad way. Because he, and as we saw in the Road and Track article, as we read in the Road and Track article, he wanted to, he wanted it to have a timeless quality to it, and I think he nailed it. It is a little bit, it might be about five percent too modern in the exterior for it to be truly timeless, because I, it might not be conventional enough. But I think this is a, this is a design that will age well over time. It absolutely will. Not as, not as good as the Pininfarina Batista. That is a better looking car than this, but. This will age just fine. It is a gorgeous, flowing, organic hypercar. Organic-looking hypercar, and I love it. Again, face, not, not my favorite part of the car. My favorite part of the car is actually the silhouette, because you can really see, because they, God, they have, they have a vent behind the front wheel, and they break that surface up between the top of, like, near the belt line and then below where the, where the side skirt is. So it has this indent. It has layers to it. And it connects the front vent, or the yeah, the front vent behind the front wheel to to a port just in front of the rear wheel. The typical mid-engine uh, intake that that sits sits in front of the rear wheel, like on the C8 Corvette. They connected that into one surface, and again, it adds layers to the car. And I think it, it just makes it look so dynamic. This this like the Gen 5 Viper is a perfect example of combining fluid, beautiful fluidity, and striking athletic linearity it strikes that perfect balance and i'm so glad that it does so i think this there's another electric car that i think i like more but this has got to be my second because it's just it's so cool yeah exterior actually the taillights because we haven't talked about that where is okay there are the taillights 
It's kind of a, an, I say it's a boomerang shape. It's more like a, like a rotated upside down, L, I say upside down, rotated L shape. So you have the long part on the bottom and then you have the short part on the bottom of the L sticking up, almost, almost like horns. It's kind of like that. You, in fact, it would, with the way the body outlines the rest of the taillight, because it's not actually enclosed, it almost, it gives off the impression that it would, that it would be enclosed, but it's not. And honestly, I do think it would look better that way, but the taillights are fine. They're, they're minimalist, but I think more than unique enough. You will not mistake this thing for anything else on the road. They're very, they are, they're single element, but distinctive. And that's, that's really all I, all I could ever want. If it, if it is a single element DRL or taillight LED, just make it distinctive. I mean, look at the Gen 5 Viper. That's largely single element, save for the turn signals. But that's distinctive. You're not going to mistake that for anything else on the road. So I'm good with it. I'm absolutely good with it. Now, if we go to the interior, if I can find some interior shots. Let's see. The thumbnails aren't loading, so I need to get the thumbnails to load. Okay, here we go. So this is not my most favorite interior. Not that it's bad, just not my most favorite. However, I do still like it a lot. It's very driver oriented. It reminds me, it kind of reminds me a lot of the Alfa Romeo 4C actually, but with more high quality materials. It's it's minimalist, but they have more than enough you uh, expected amenities in there to fill it out just fine. It's it's I would say better. It's more comfortably designed than the new Ford GT, and it doesn't have the stupid squircle. The square circle steering wheel? No, it's just got a circle flat bottom steering wheel. That kind of actually reminds me of the Gen 5 Viper. So not not strictly in terms of design, but in its in its overall shape. It, it reminds me a lot of that steering wheel. But yeah, I love the interior. It's pretty it's pretty minimalist, but the materials are gorgeous. There's carbon fiber everywhere. The leather, the tan leather that they chose for the press car for the photo for the press car for the photos is lovely. Really, really lovely. Yeah, I so for the exterior, I'm gonna give it an eight point three out of ten. Not the most beautiful design ever, not the most classic design ever, but I think it'll age well nonetheless. Interior, I would give a seven point seven. I think again, not the best interior I've ever seen. There are some that I personally prefer, but I wouldn't be mad at all with being in this interior. A lot of high quality materials. Everything seems to be well placed, and it and. There are quite a few screens in the interior, sure, but I think it's tastefully done. They're not, they're not obnoxious. They're purposeful. They're very functional. But the, what's funny is they, they've even got a passenger, they've even got a passenger screen, just like what Ferrari does these days. That I really like. So yeah, overall, I'd give this car an eight point ooh ooh. I think an eight point five out of ten. This thing is really good and really cool. There are very few electric cars I want. Very, very few. But this, this is one I'd definitely like to experience, maybe even buy if I had the money. I'm not completely, I'm not completely sure. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm totally sold, but yeah, this is up there on the potential, on the list of potential cars to want to buy, for sure. Well done, Matt Ribeck. And, and you know, it's crazy that this, not that the car comes from Croatia. That's not the crazy part. The crazy part is that this car and with Rimac, they're kind of like Tesla in a sense, in the sense that they were, they were, they didn't make cars. They were a newcomer to the automotive industry to a certain extent. And then 
and now look, they've come out with their own car and they're taking the world by storm. This is something I've been thinking about when it when electric cars started becoming more popular with the Rivian, Rimac, and Tesla, with the established automakers being slow to transition and having a lot of bureaucracy when it comes to trying to create trying to create a car, you know, slow development times. Would that make it a lot easier for startup automakers like Rimac, like Rivian, like Tesla to not only to not only exist, but continue to exist because they might be able to beat the established OEMs at their own game at a rate the established OEMs don't know, don't know how to mimic. Especially Rivian with their R1T. That's astonishing. And it seems like it seems like my suspicion is being proved is being proved right. Rimac was largely a startup a while ago because they only had the concept that Richard crashed, and now they've got a full-blown car. Rivian, once again, Lucid, even though they've been struggling. Like the only I mean, there's been a few, but the only startup I can immediately remember remember right now that was on this renewable energy train that didn't work out was Fisker with the Karma. That's the only one I can really think of. Although Tesla was actually in that space when they were doing the original Roadster for a long time. And then Elon Musk stepped in, made the Model S, continued it. Tesla still survived. And now look at where they are. So we might see a lot of new legendary automakers in, in the next coming, I don't know, 10 years, in the next coming decade that wouldn't have existed otherwise if there wasn't such a push for electric cars. And that's interesting. What do you guys think of the Rimac Nevera and my thoughts? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Are you somewhere in between? Let me know. But in any case, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure to like the episode, share the episode, and follow the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, comment, share, and consider subscribing. And if you do subscribe, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Please make sure you hit the little notification bell and then all notifications so that way you're notified every time I upload. If you want to listen to this podcast on the road, but you don't have one the Podbean mobile app, Hey, not a problem. Boot up wherever you get your podcast. Type in Cody's Car Conundrum and then choose the episode you want to listen to. I will see you all next time. Before we end, I want to inform you all that you can now monetarily support this podcast and indeed the entirety of Cody's Car Conundrum with Kofi. Uh, well, it might be coffee, but it's spelled K-O-F-I and that's weird. So I say it Kofi. In any case, Kofi is an alternative to Patreon where beautifully and as God intended, you the supporters don't have to pay a fee like on Patreon to support my work. So if you like what I do and want to see me cover slash talk about slash make a video regarding something specific or want me to branch out into other areas of car culture, then head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash Cody's Car Conundrum where you can make a minimum donation of $5 towards me and the brand. In return, you'll be helping me afford new equipment, afford upgrades to my existing tools, you'll receive polls asking what topic you want me to dive into next, you'll get to see voted and non-voted content before public release, various forms of recognition for your support, and the ability to vote on merch designs you'd like to see on the Teespring store. And now it's time to close. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.